all focused on really the advent and the coming of Jesus and uh, the Messiah and what all that meant and looked at a lot of, a lot of different things. So we'll get back to Matthew soon. Um, but what we're going to do here is as we close up, so this is the last Sunday, last Sunday in 2013, and then soon we'll be into 2013. And what we're going to do is we're going to basically do two things. Um, this Sunday, as we close up 2013, we're going to bring an awareness, say awareness. awareness. We're going to bring an awareness, hopefully, to God's will and to God's plan. So I'm not sure how 2013 went for you. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, but we're going to revisit that and look at that and see where God played um, a role and see where uh, maybe we let him in or maybe we fought him or however that might have, may have looked. So we're going to bring an awareness this morning. Next Sunday, the first Sunday in the new year, we're going to focus on bringing into alignment, say alignment. We're going to focus on bringing into alignment into God's will, into God's plan. So we're giving an awareness this week. Next week we focus on alignment. And our focus next week will be similar to the way we focused last year. Last year, what we did as a church family is we started off the new year um, with um, what we call a uh, Daniel fast. So before you get too scared, it, let me explain a little bit here. Okay, so it was 21 days for people who wanted to do it. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. Um, but the goal and the vision was that we want to be aligned at the beginning of the year and be maybe on our knees, in our closets, in our cars, wherever we are, before God, hungry for God, maybe at times even hungrier for food. That's how hungry we are for God and for His will and for His plan. That's how hungry, that's how radical we want to be about it. So we started this off last year, 21 days. We're doing that as a church family. And so uh, what we did is we made up a calendar of Bible readings you could have for those 21 days. And then also on that calendar you'd have... Um, different types of uh, prayer things to pray for each of those 21 days. So we're going to do the same thing again. Um, and I tell you that now, just so you can start to think about that now. Let that sit and marinate and say, okay, do I want to do, you know, am I interested in doing something like that? Um, and I think um, we, the commitment we made as a church family last year was not that you don't eat any food at all. For 21 days. You could do that if you want. And I'm not going to hold you back if you feel like God wants you to do that. Um, you know, other guys have done 40 days. You know? Not me, but uh, other guys have. Um, what we did last year is we committed as a church family, if at all possible, if somebody could fast from one major meal that they knew was a big meal for them for 21 days. So whether it was breakfast, lunch, dinner, you know, however, whatever it was. Um, now is the deal. And that's if people were able. And not everybody was able because some people, you know, had babies or nursing or maybe they were elderly or didn't know how it worked in. So then the idea would be to fast from something that really meant a lot to them. Um, so that was kind of the way it all played out last year. Um, but we'll get into more detail on that next week. And again, the purpose for that is because we understand as a church, we're really not going to go and be as effective and most importantly, be as powerful. Everybody say powerful. powerful. This has to be a thing about power. It really does. I mean, it could just be another club or another kind of group of nice people. 
But we're really not interested in that. That's not like what the church was about in the book of Acts. Just a nice people going around doing nice things. They moved in power with God. And what we have to do is we have to get into alignment with what God has for us. That way we can do that. And so um, that's our focus for next week. This week we focus on awareness. So that's why we are in Deuteronomy chapter 1. What page is that on, by the way? I know somebody has it. 45? 125. Thank you. 125? 125? Okay. All right. Um, And the title of the message is The Way Forward, which is an interesting title, right? Because we're just coming to the end of the year. So the way forward, like, okay, how's that going to play in? Um, Let's open up in prayer. Let's open up in prayer. God, we, um, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for pretty much bringing us through a whole other year. A couple days left, but for the most part we're at the end here. And so, um, who knows where we have been this 2013. Um, the highs, the lows, um, I don't know, Lord. Uh, for each person in this room, um, but I know personally it's been kind of all over the map. Um, but I thank you. I thank you that you have been more than faithful. I thank you that you stay true to your word. And I thank you that when everything else seems to be falling apart, your word and your truth is the one constant that remains. And I thank you that for any uh, person that has just taken leaps of faith towards you this past year, they know that you've come to be faithful to them, Lord. And so I just pray that you just bless our time as we reflect back on 2013 and what has happened. And as we take a look at the past, not necessarily dwell on it, but take a look at it, that will help us move forward. So we thank you for our time this morning. We ask that you would bless the kids downstairs and that you'd bless the message uh, coming from Sal, Lord, and you even be with the little guys in the nursery next door and you just bless their time together. So we thank you for this time, and in Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. 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 Right? Alrighty. So, um, the way forward. So 2013 comes to a close. You know, this is it. Um, I don't know how it went for you. I'm not sure. Um, I do know that there were probably choices were made. I don't know, good or bad. You know, I don't know decisions, you know, were probably had. I don't know if you want to go back and revisit them. Maybe some you do, some you don't. I know for sure you probably earned some money. I know for sure you probably spent some money. The idea being is that hopefully you kind of saved some of that and didn't do more spending than you did earning. Um, Who knows relationally? Maybe you had a new addition to the family. The Murphy house did. It's pretty awesome. Right? It's pretty awesome. But then some families, like, they lost members. You know? And that's sad and that's painful too. I mean, who knows? It could be all over the map. I don't know how 2013 went for you. Um, I do know that as a Christian, right? So if we profess to be Christ followers and Christians, um, one question... Right, one question I think 
that should be on the forefront of our minds as the year closes, as you kind of come to an end here, um, is this question right here. And I believe I have it up here too, uh, in case you forget it. Um, the question, uh, well, maybe we don't. I'll just give it to you and you can write it down if you'd like. question is this. How have I let God, how have I let God invade my life to new levels in 2013? How have I let God invade my life to new levels that it has not been previously in 2013? Because we can give an honest like assessment and a true answer to that question. Like That's a good evaluation question for the end of the year for a Christian. Because the goal is for us, right, for Christians, for Christ followers, is we want to continue, want to continue to try and surrender to the light of the world. Right, which we just celebrated at Christmas, the light of the world. And we talked about how sometimes, like, you know, we can fight back and maybe keep things in the darkness on purpose for whatever reason. Could be multiple reasons. But in 2013... How did I, how did Jared, how did you, how did we as a church let God invade our lives? I don't know some people are at different places, you know, in their faith. For some people, the invasion of Jesus Christ, I kind of like that, the inva- I might get a t-shirt with that, the invasion of Jesus Christ. The invasion of Jesus Christ may have been just getting the church fairly regular. Because who knows what has happened in your particular background or in your circle and who knows maybe what, maybe you've been hurt or wronged or needs to be healing or who knows. Just getting there for 2013 for the most part was a huge deal. And now I'm starting, you know, to kind of let God invade my life through being around other Christians. Or maybe for somebody else it may have been, wow, you know, I started to pray out loud, you know, for the first time, really, uh, in 2013. Or maybe I really tried to make it a priority to pray for my family, for my husband or for my wife in 2013. Um, I tried to serve, you know, at church doing, you know, whatever. And I wasn't totally comfortable with it, you know, but I was asked to do it, so I tried. You know, like in what ways did we let God invade our life? I think that's the question we've got to look at. Um, because here's the thing we're going to take a look at this morning. Is that I think, just based on people that I know, and maybe you have seen this too with some of the people that you know, is that it seems to be uh, that a lot of people have sort of this agreement, not everybody, but a lot of people have this agreement that God has a plan, God has a will. And like I said, not everybody agrees with that, but, you know, at least kind of a lot of people I know, that's a majority, and how they define God, and how they define His will and His plan is kind of all over the place. And most times the biblical way isn't all that popular. But there seems to be that thought, and there also seems to be the thought of, well, since there is this God who loves me, He does have a will and a plan, I just kind of fall into it because he loves me. And 
biblically, that's not really the case. He certainly loves us beyond more than we'll ever know. There is grace and mercy and compassion that abounds and that's new every morning. And He has a will and a plan for our lives. But unless we come to Jesus and we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ask Him into our lives, we never actually open the door for God to come in and lay out His will into our lives. It's just, it's blocked. His hands are tied unless we do that. And so we don't really fall into it. Life will happen, things will happen. We could certainly still be nice. We could certainly still be kind. We could certainly still be loving. We could certainly still learn um, skills and techniques on how to be better parents and how to be better spouses. We could certainly still do those things. But then to walk in the power and to live in the power of the Spirit and to be guided and controlled by Him, it's not really an option unless we do that. And so you still maybe might not buy into that. So I just wanted this, this morning, I just wanted to share with you biblically about how God deals with His plan and His future. Because again, I don't know how 2013 went for you. But I'll tell you what, for 2013, for each man and woman in here, He had a plan and a will for you. I don't know where you got to with that. He certainly had a path. And maybe, you know, his path is kind of going like this. And, you know, maybe sometimes he went way off here. But then, like, he tried to, like, come back on. You know, but then he went too far. You know what I mean? But then, like, he, like, kind of came back on. But you're, like, trying to get back on that thing. Or then maybe, like, you kind of tried beginning of the year. Hop back on that thing. I'm going to be surrendered. Let God come into my life. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Seems like nothing but challenge and difficulty and strife. Forget about it, you know, and just bailed, you know, and just took off and hung out wherever. You know, I have no idea. But there definitely was, there definitely was a will and a plan for each of us as a father, as a mother. There was a hope and a plan for, you know, me and Julie to parent, for those parents here to parent. There is a hope, a will, and a plan for um, grandparents here. There's a hope and a will and a plan for uh, you for your neighbors, like I was going to work through like to your neighbors. You know, there's a hope, a will, and a plan um, for you to reach and influence those around you. So I don't know where, how we did with that. But it's worthwhile to think about the dynamics of that and what might happen if we don't really enter into that. And what does God do with, with that? So, let's take a look. This Exodus passage, I know it's not Deuteronomy, but let me just give you a quick little backdrop here. And it's not going to take long, I promise. Alright, so here we go. So Exodus 13. When Pharaoh let the people go, say Pharaoh. Pharaoh. We're still awake, that's a good sign. God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country. Very important, say Philistine country. That's very, very important. You might not know it, but it really is. God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up 
out of Egypt ready for battle. So here's the first thing right here. I believe you have a fill-in in your bulletin here. Yeah, here we go. First fill-in there. He, meaning God, He has a plan. He has a plan. I believe it's on the next slide here too in case you uh, forget it. He has a plan. And we need preparations for that plan. He has a plan and we need preparations for that plan. Okay? So He has a plan. We need preparations for that plan. So back to the other side with Exodus. Real quick um, recap here. They let the people go. So Exodus, right? Anybody see Prince of Egypt, Disney version? That's it? What kind of movies are we watching in this room? So, it's a great movie. It's pretty accurate. It's worthwhile to watch. Okay? So Pharaoh lets the people go. Right? All the plagues, all that stuff happened, right? He lets them go. God did not lead them through the road, uh, through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. So God set them free from Egypt. He's going to bring them into a promised land. A place that's flowing with milk and honey. That's where he's going to bring them. But he doesn't bring them there right away. The Philistine country, do you know? That's like, with all the people they had, you know, maybe it was around a million people or so, which is crazy. That's a mass exodus, right? A million people or so. They leave Egypt. With all that people, it is maximum. Two weeks walk. You know, they walked around the desert for 40 years. 40 years. So God, he said, though that was short, for God had said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert toward the Red Sea. Now, that does not mean that he just made them wander in the desert for 40 years. Something happened that made them wander in the desert for 40 years. So God was already bringing them into the desert. But his timetable and his plan and his will was to take them out there for a little while. To have the people get to know who he is. While in the desert, they were learning how they were supposed to approach God, how they were supposed to worship him. They, um, they learned how God would lead them by a cloud by day and fire by night. Um, they learned, uh, they won all kinds of battles that they should not have won. They were fed manna, bread from heaven. Then they were fed quail, like out of nowhere. So they were given provision, they were given instructions on worship. So God was building an intimate relationship with them because he knew that if that wasn't there, and if they just took the two-week hike and they encountered difficulty, they weren't ready to handle what was going to happen. They were just going to bail ship and just be a mess. So he had a plan for them. He had a will for them. But he knew that they needed preparations. So again, I don't know how 2013 went for you. Maybe it was a prepping year. Maybe it was a planning year. You know, I don't know. But there's a lot of value to it. And many times, God brings us through many preparations and many times of building that foundation and it's not maybe all that fun. But God's timetable originally was not 40 years. It was not. It was, hey, I want to get to be with them. I want to be with them. I want it to be intimate. I want them to see how I can provide, how I can be faithful to them. I want them to learn that and to know that. Not because they heard it from somebody else. Not because somebody else told them cool stories. 
but because they know that they know that they know because it's happened to them. Personal history with me. That's what God was after, and that's what he's after with us. Personal history. Not somebody else's, not secondhand. Personal. So then what happened? Why do the 40-year thing? Well, here's Deuteronomy 1. Check this out. So Deuteronomy 1, what page? 125. All right, so verse 19. Here we go. It says, Then, as the Lord our God commanded us, so this is Moses talking before they go in the promised land. He's like recapping everything they have done, everything they've been through. So it says, Then, as the Lord our God commanded us, we set out from Horeb and went toward the hill country of the Amorites through all that vast and dreadful desert that you have seen. And so we reached Kadesh Barnea. Uh, then I said to you, you have reached the hill country of the Amorites, uh, which the Lord, our God, is giving us. Say, giving. This is big time here. So you've reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord, your God, is giving us. Verse 21. See, the Lord, your God, has, what's that word? Given you the land. So he says, go up and take it. For if it, it is of the Lord. The God of your fathers told you, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. That's the scene that's set. They've spent their intimate time with God in the desert. They've been with Him. And now He's telling them, hey listen, go up, take it, it's yours. I've given it to you. It's all yours. And then He follows it up with, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Now, knowing God, he must be saying that because there must be something there that might cause some fear or discouragement. Something that might cause them some kind of fear. Now, wouldn't it be awesome if the story stopped right there? And they're like, oh, God said do it. He said go take it. He said it's ours. We go in. We take it. It is ours. Wouldn't it be awesome if we reacted like that? I spoke to your heart this morning at church. I asked you to go pray for them. And then we said, yeah. I'll go pray. I don't even know who they are, but I'll go pray because you said so, Lord. Wouldn't that be nice? Right? Or like our neighbor, you know, next door. Who knows what they're dealing with? They're like, what is going on? And God's like, man, I want you just to go share my love somehow. If the good news comes in there, let's bring the good news in, but just go love on them. Okay, Lord, you said so. I'm going to go do it. Hopefully, like, we're the type of people that just respond like that. Like, that's the goal. So, uh, what happened? Here's how they respond. This is probably how you and I would also respond. So God says, go do it. I've given it to you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Verse 22. Here's what they do. So then all of you came to me and said, okay, God, sounds good. So let's do this. Let us send some men ahead to spy out the land for us and bring back a report about the route we are to take and the towns we will come to. So their response to God was, okay, you're giving us this thing. Um, you're telling us to go in there. You've given it to us. It's ours. We can take it. Um... Why don't we just like go check it out? Just go look at it. Just kind of just see what it's like. Just go observe it. 
And they could have just said, yeah, let's just go. But they just kind of want to take a peek to see what it's like. So many times, like, we're like that with God. You know, it's, well, yeah, that sounds kind of good, but, you know, let me get to see this over here and get to do this, and let me feel more comfortable about it first, you know. It gets them in the trouble. So verse 23, the idea seemed good to me. So I selected 12 of you, one man from each tribe. They left and went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eshkol and explored it. Taking with them some of the fruit of the land, they brought it down to us and reported, It is a good land that the Lord, our God, is giving us. So they go there, they check it out. The place is gorgeous. It's awesome. The fruit is amazing, right? It's just flowing milk and honey. It is just gorgeous landscape. I don't know where the most beautiful place you've ever been, right? But I guess that rivals it in comparison. They see the agriculture. You know, they know they can grow things there. It's great for their cattle and their herds. It's just, it's got it going on. So what could be wrong with that? Especially when God said, I've given it to you. Just go take it. Just take that thing. Just move forward. I said, you can just go ahead and do it. Verse 26, but you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. How did they do that? Verse 27, you grumbled in your tents and said, the Lord hates us. Whoa, 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 whoa. When did that happen? The Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. What? Where is this thinking coming from? Where can we go? Our brothers have made us lose heart, they say. Here it is. They wanted to go check it out, right? They wanted to observe the land, check out the landscape, see what God is giving them. Walking by sight can be very, very confusing and very, very paralyzing. Walking by sight alone. I mean, when God says something, we've got to walk by faith. So here we go. Verse 28. says, Where can we go? Our brothers have made us lose heart. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the skies. We even saw the Anakites there. So they're scared of what God has already given them. They see, these people are like, lack of a better term, they're like giant people. So just think of a land filled with like LeBron James. Like they're just like off, just freaks of nature, incredible athletes, like super strong. Um, One Bible passage, you know, one of these kings from this tribe, you know, he had a bed that was like 13 feet long. I mean, just these giant people. And he got these, you know, little Hebrews. You know what I mean? They got kids and children and, you know, they got cattle. And they don't do this fighting thing. So you can understand a little bit, you know, where they're coming from. The city is super large. It probably looks expansive. So verse 29. And I said to you, do not be terrified. Don't be afraid of them. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you. As he did for you in Egypt. Before your very eyes. And in the desert, there you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son. All the way you went until you reached this place. And so God assures them, he says, you know, I'm going to fight this battle for you. You just have to trust me. I said, I've given it to you. Take that step 
or in our vernacular, take your hands off the steering wheel, let go of the control issue, and let me do my thing. That's what he's telling him right then and there. He said, I told you I can do it. I told you I will be faithful. It looks ridiculous, I know, but trust me. So here we go, verse 32. In spite of all this, you did not trust in the Lord your God, who went on ahead of you. That's awesome, I love that part. Who went ahead of you, right? God's already been to the places where we're scared to go. And what looks intimidating. He went ahead of you on your journey and fire by night and a cloud by day to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way you should go. It says, verse 34, When the Lord heard what you said, he was angry and solemnly swore, Not a man of this evil generation shall see the good land. Here we go. I swore to your forefathers, except Caleb, son of that guy, he will see it. And I would give him and his descendants the land uh, he would set his feet on because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Right? Caleb and Joshua, they would get there because there were two out of the twelve spies that they said, I don't care what it looks like. We need to go and do this thing. But they were outnumbered and everybody else convinced everybody else what they wanted, not what God wanted. Verse 37. Because of you, the Lord became angry with me also. Moses talking. And Moses couldn't answer, enter the promised land. So he says, you shall not enter it either. Verse 38, but your assistant Joshua, there he is, son of Nun will enter it. Encourage him, because he will lead Israel to inherit it. And the little ones that you said would be taken captive, your children who do not yet know good from bad, they will enter the land. I will give it to them, and they will take possession of it. But as for you, turn around and set out toward the desert along the route to the Red Sea. So here it is. God's timetable. Freedom from Egypt, come in the desert, just come and enjoy me. Come learn about me, learn how to approach me, learn what I can do. Come experience it. And then God's timetable is, okay, we're going to do a little bit of that, and then we're going to go into this land. Because I've given it to you. And they jacked it up. Because they then went into the land, saw what they saw, was dominated and paralyzed by what they saw, and then could not enter in fully to what God had for them. So here's what they do next. Maybe we might do the same thing. Check it out. It says, um, verse 41. Then he replied, we have sinned against the Lord. So they realized they messed up. And God just told them, okay, you can't go in now. You've got to go back out into the desert and march around, which is going to turn into 40 years marching. That wasn't God's original timetable. But now they've got to do the 40-year march because God had a will. God had a plan. They chose not to operate in that. And it set stuff back and delayed it 40 years. Well, where's God's grace? Where's his mercy? Where's his compassion? What kind of gracious, loving God is that? Well, I think that's pretty gracious and pretty merciful and pretty compassionate because God could have said, you know what? I'm God. I told you what to do. You didn't do it. You don't even get a second chance. Too bad. But he's like, you know what? No, I'll just wait for that generation to pass and then we'll march back in. 
says, so every one of you, verse 41, second part here, so every one of you put on his weapons, thinking it easy to go up into the hill country. So now they're like, oh no, wait, we messed up. We don't want to do the 40-year march. Let's get our weapons on. So verse 42, but the Lord said to me, tell them, don't go up and fight, because I'm not going to be with you now. You had your chance. I told you it was yours, yours for the taking. And you said, no, 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 I don't want it. I don't want to do it. But then they realized the consequence. So like, oh, no, we want to fight now. It says, so, verse 43, so I told you, but you would not listen. You rebelled against the Lord's command, and in your arrogance you marched up into the hill country. So now they take matters into their own hands without God's blessing now. Verse 44 says, The Amorites who lived in those hills came out against you. They chased you like a swarm of bees and beat you down from Seir all the way to Hormah. You came back and wept before the Lord. Many times we do stuff like that. God's like, do this. We say no. Then we see the consequence. We're like, oh no, I should have done it. Then we take it up in our own hands and try and do it in our own way. And we come back to God. God, I'm so sorry. What happened? Where were you? It's like, man, you didn't do it like the way I asked. The way I told you to do it. It's not kind of a free-for-all around here. Like, God is still holy. He's a holy God. So in verse 45 it says, He came back and wept before the Lord, but he paid no no attention to your weeping, and he turned a deaf ear to you, and so you stayed in Kadesh many days all the time you spent there. And so what happened is these guys, what they did is they had, in your second fill in there, fear of consequences instead of faith in his promises. Right? They were overcome by fear of consequences instead of faith in his promises. I so wish it was reversed. And honestly, I so wish for me many times it was also reversed. I took faith in the promise first of what God said and where he said to go and what he said to do. But many times, you see the consequence after the fact. Oh man, and then you try and like make up for it in some way. As if we could do that. So, the purpose of reading that and taking a look at that this morning. Right, 2013 is done. It's over. It's done. It's in the past. And honestly... If you just dwell on the past forever, you're never going to really live in the future and then you are just ill-equipped or be in the present and you are ill-equipped for the future. It's just not going to work. So I don't know what regrets and I don't know where you may have slipped up or where you may have fallen down in 2013. Fact of the matter is, if we're a new creation in Christ and he says his mercies are new every morning and we come and we just repent Truly repent before God and say, God, I know you wanted me here. I know you were asking more of me there. I, I know you were pulling me in this direction here and then I fought in it. When we come to Him and we're honest with Him about those things, it says He forgives them as far as from the east is from the west. It's really, really good news. It, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It almost seems to imply that we could do whatever we want And then God just forgives us. Which is not totally the case. And only God can really tell our hearts in the matter. 
I can't tell your heart and you can't really tell my heart. So, 2014 is coming up. He has a will. He has a plan. I don't know if he wants to take you in the desert for a little bit and intimately get to know you. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he has other things in store. I have no idea. But here's one thing I did want to talk about this morning. The awareness. Is that, you know what? We don't have to make 2014 a wandering 40-year desert if we don't have to. If he wants to bring us there, fine. Let him bring us there. Let's do what we have to do with God for that time. But man, when he says, march on and go do this and go do that, let's not compound problems and stretch things out over a long-term haul like a 40-year desert thing. Why do that to 2014 if we don't have to? Because he's got a plan, and he's got a will, and he's got a timetable, and he's going to direct us and show us. I just hope and pray to God that me, that you, that us as a church, we can march forward in faith and promises, and not try and be guided by fear of consequences. That's what we want to march in. And the best thing to know about 2014 is that he's already been there, It has all passed through his loving hands and fingertips. So, um, it might mean, right, we're in church now, last Sunday. I don't know, again, how 2013 went. This might be a great time for you right now. For confession, which basically all that means is, that just means you're saying what God says about your sin. That's what confession means. Look at the word in the original language. That's what it means. So I'm saying what God says about my sin. Because I could say other stuff uh, about my sin. And that's not really confession. It's confession when I'm saying what God says about it. So yes, that was not right, Lord, because you said this and I did something else. So we have some time, you know, in church, you know, right now, last Sunday, to do that if we have to. And man, if 2013 was like your best year yet with the Lord, and you are marching, and you are conquering, and you are taking risks of faith, and you are just leaping into what God has, even though it might scare the daylights out of you. That is phenomenal. And please, 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 start infecting other people. Start helping them do that too. Start being a rock for them and encouraging them. So what we're going to do, TJ is going to come up and uh, he's going to give us an opportunity um, to take communion, which I think is a perfect opportunity um, to think about this year as a whole and to think about how our Savior has paid really all the sins and it's really all on Him and it's just incredible to think you know, that He could forgive um, just our wanderings to so many places. And so hopefully we take advantage of this time to do that. And so TJ is going to lead us in a short word and then lead us in communion.
Savior say Thy strength indeed is small Child of weakness watch and pray paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as Oh, oh, oh. 